If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and I am actually flying solo on today's show. Today is one of those days Curtis has started an internship for the summer and couldn't quite get away today. So I've got you guys covered on this one, and he will be back with us first thing next week. And today, I'm calling an audible for one show and one show only. We've been talking football all offseason long. I think we might have done like one or two basketball shows, but really it's been all football all the time, all pandemic long, because... Let's be real. That's what we do here on the Glory UGA podcast. That's what we love. But every now and then, we also like to update you on what's going on with some of the other sports in the larger world of Georgia athletics. And with the Major League Baseball draft yesterday, at least it opened yesterday, there was some big news for our baseball program on a variety of fronts. And I want to get into that today on the show. But before we talk some baseball I do want to address something that we have not yet addressed on this show, and that is the Jake Fromm text heard around the world from last week. I know we're a little late getting to this. We initially didn't touch on it because we actually recorded our second show of the week last week on Wednesday, which was the day before the Fromm texts were revealed. And I've actually, in the meantime, since that point, I know we we could have touched on it in our first show of this week, but I've been working on a show that was originally going to be just about the From stuff. I wanted to make sure I covered it in as much detail as I could and really get all my thoughts out there. I have been hard at work on that. I literally have four pages worth of notes that exhaustively explain all my thoughts on the subject. I even delve into like the historical underpinnings of racism in America and, and all sorts of different stuff. Went a lot of different directions with it. But my wife told me Nobody wants to hear that, and she is way smarter than me, so I am going to take her advice, which is always a good idea for me, and just briefly touch on it at the outset of this episode. But as someone who has touted himself as the president of the Jake Fromm fan club over the past year and a half or so, I just couldn't escape the feeling that it would be extremely disingenuous at the very least for me to not address these from text in some way here on the show. I could have just ignored it and let it slide by and not ever touched on it, but that just didn't feel right to praise him as much as I did for what he did right, but be silent when he messed up, especially on the issue of race, um, when it's something as important as race relations in America. I just didn't feel right staying silent on the topic. I know you guys very well probably do not care what I had to say, on this, and I know most of you at this point, a week after the fact, are probably very tired of hearing about it. Uh, I'm just a random dude. I, I understand that I'm really a nobody in the grand scheme of the world. I just happen to be a guy who has a podcast, 
but this is something I just felt like I need to get on here and say at least a, a small bit about it. So these are my very compressed thoughts on the Jake Fromm subject. And let me be clear from the start here. What Jake Fromm said was categorically, undeniably wrong and hateful and ignorant, frankly, on every single level possible. What he said, the sentiments that he expressed, simply they cannot be acceptable in this country, at least if we want to live up to the principles of our founding, uh, the principles that our laws still today are based on, the principles that underpin what it is to be an American. It just it can't be acceptable. It can't be. And I, I was honestly disappointed to, to see some. I had a lot of emotions, but certainly disappointment was high up on the list there. Disappointed to see that someone that, that I did honestly have so much respect for was capable of saying those things. It kind of threw me for a loop. I, I was angry that the young African-American people that I work with, that I love, that I care about deeply, have to live in a world where things like that are said. Especially, and here's the kicker, like especially like from anyone, from anyone, like those thoughts coming from anyone are, are horrific. But especially from someone that the young people of color that I work with, that I care so much about, from someone that I know a lot of them respected and looked up to, it, it's tough for me to imagine what it would be like to have one of your sports heroes say things like that that disparage your race, disparage who you are and what you are. I, it, It's tough. I, I can't really, like on, on some level, I, I have empathy and I, I can understand it to a degree, but I, I, I know I don't really fully grasp what it would be like. But even what I understand is, is bad enough. And I, I felt helpless is another emotion I, I felt. I felt helpless. Like, how do I solve this? Like, this is bigger than me. So a lot of things going through my head um, over the past week or so. And, and I know if you actually read the text and didn't just react to the headlines, it can certainly be argued, and, and many people have made the argument, that Jake was just trying to make an off-color joke the type of joke that many, many people have made over the years, that most of us have heard somebody make, and I'm sure a lot of people have made themselves. He literally typed out, ha, 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 at the end of the text in question. So yeah, I think he was probably trying to make a joke, but who cares? I, that, that shouldn't detract from what he said. And sure, the girl in question who released the text, as a lot of people have, have pointed out, very well could have had some ulterior motives. But again, that shouldn't distract. Neither one of those things should distract from what was actually said. Joke or not, impure motives or not on the part of the girl, those types of sentiments have no place in this country. They are harmful. And, and they just simply contribute to the problem that we have had in this country for far, far, far too long. We all know that. And again, let me be clear. The text from Jake Fromm was unacceptable in every way. And it was evidence of at least on some level some of the implicit biases that Jake has to examine, that he has to address, that a lot of us need to examine and address in our own lives. He needs to be better. He has to be better than that. He absolutely has to be. But, but saying that, all those things are true. I'll also say this, and this is something that I know a lot of you probably aren't going to agree with me on, and, and that's okay. I just hope you can try to understand where I'm coming from here. And this is something that I've struggled with for a while now. And I don't know the answer. I don't have the answer. It's just something that that's all that's on my mind when these kind of things pop up, which in my profession, my day job, these things are kind of all around me. Uh, so I think about this a lot. Um, but especially over the past past week or so, past couple of weeks 
well, if you throw in all the protest around this country as well, something that's kind of really been on my mind. And, and, and let's take it in Jake Fromm's sense here. So probably a joke, but a racist joke. And so I don't care if it's a joke or not. It was wrong. But does one racist joke, one racist comment, does that mean Jake Fromm is a flat-out racist? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. Does, does that erase all the good things he has done in his life? And as angry as you may be with him right now and as, and as disappointed as I am in him right now and as frustrated and angry as I am at him right now, uh, he has done some good things in his life. It hasn't all been bad. I mean, for example, this past year he was named to the AFCA All Good Works team, which is a very prestigious award for, for athletes who engage in, in community service. Should that be what he's remembered for forever? Is he irredeemable now? Uh, should he, in effect, be canceled? Like that's that's what people are talking about now. Is like the, the whole cancellation culture deal. And I, again, I'm not going to pretend I have all the answers, but on some level, I I don't know. Like part of me feels no. Part of me feels maybe yes. But another part of me, a big part of me, feels no. That you know, one big huge mistake. As terrible as it was, does that mean that Jake Fromm has to be over or whoever it was, regardless of Jake Fromm or whoever, does that person have to be canceled? I Because if that's the case, then we are essentially establishing an impossible standard, a standard that frankly, none of us are going to be able to live up to. Because I, I don't know, I firmly believe that we are all products of our environment, the environment we grow up in and our experiences. And like a lot of people in this country... Too many people, Jake's environment and experiences may have led him, probably led him to think what he said was okay, that those thoughts were acceptable or even desirable. And he should absolutely be called out on it because it wasn't okay. And because that being called out on it causes you to have to examine your biases and assumptions. At least I hope it causes you to examine those biases and assumptions that led you to make those comments those hateful comments in the first place. Again, he needs to be better. He needs to be better. But should he be vilified for? Does it, is it, does it have to be that black and white that you're good or you're bad? Should Jay, is Jake Fromm now a villain? Should it mark him the rest of his life? Should his life be effectively over for all practical purposes? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I get the impulse behind cancellation culture. I get it. The idea that you are wrong. You are hurting people. And for things to change, we have to send a message that you can't say these things. You can't have these ideas. And the way to send a message is to end careers. Like if you really want to send a message, you end careers. If the racists out there see Jake Fromm's career was ended because of one racist text, then they're going to keep their mouth shut. At least that's the idea. But here's what I would have to ask. And this is what I struggle with. Does that really change things? Does it ending Jake Fromm, does canceling Jake Fromm, or again, whoever it might be out there, because it's not just Jake, there's so many people out there that have made some racist comments in their past, and when those get dug up, boom, you're canceled. But, and again, I get that impulse. I get it. I get it, because you're angry. I, and I'm angry when I see these things. I absolutely am. But I think the goal here has to be to change things. If we really want to change society for the better, does cancellation culture accomplish that? Is, is that really winning hearts and minds? Because I think that's what we have to do to really achieve authentic and lasting change on the race front. Or is the fear of repercussion that cancellation culture brings, is that just causing racist people 
to be more careful about what they say publicly on, so, on social media or out there wherever? Is it not really changing who they are deep down in their hearts and just causing them to kind of go under the radar a little bit more? Is it driving it more inward to where it becomes more nefariously subtle and therefore more difficult to ultimately root out? I don't know, but I, I again, I don't have the answers, but I think there's, that's certainly possible. I think that's something that needs to be considered. I, I personally, and it's just, again, it's just me. Who cares what I say? I'm nobody. I get it. But I just wanted to address this in some small way, but personally, I don't know, man. I think we're all a jumble of of very complex and oftentimes competing qualities, good and bad. Uh, And and I also believe as lawyer and equal justice initiative founder, Brian Stevenson says, a guy that I I talk about a lot with, with the young people of color that I work with, especially in the past year, we are more than the worst thing we've done. I firmly believe that. We've all done bad things. No, oh God, we're human, man. We, we've all done bad things, every single one of us. Some worse than others, sure, but we've all done bad things. And I don't know if that one bad thing, right? and some of us have done way more than one bad It's not like it's just one bad thing. Maybe Jake Fromm has way more than just one text. It's just the one that we happen to know about. Maybe that's who he is in his personal life. I don't know. Maybe that is who, that's who he is day after day after day. I don't know. I don't know the guy. Yeah, so that's certainly possible, but... I think we are. I, I believe what Brian Stevenson says, that we're more than the worst thing that we've done. And I know it's hard to accept that when the worst thing someone did is something that hurt you. But I, I do. I think it's true of all of us. We're, we're more than the worst thing we've done. And if we're going to move forward together towards a more just and equitable society, which we very, very, very much need to do for the kids I work with, that I love, for you guys, your friends, your coworkers, we ha- whoever it is out there, we have to give people who have been on the wrong side of the race issue previously at some point in their lives, a ch- I think we have to give them a chance to learn and grow and evolve. We, like I think we need to allow a chance for their heart to truly change And because I think that's what brings lasting, enduring change, like real authentic change. And I'm not sure cancellation culture accomplishes that. So I think there absolutely has to be consequences but I do think there is a, a difference between appropriate consequences for someone's actions and comments and canceling them forever, taking away their ability to grow and to ever become something better than what they were before. So yeah, I, I think Jake Jake needs – there has to be consequences here to some degree. If, if the Bills released him tomorrow, I wouldn't blame them at all. I think that would be an appropriate consequence. But at the same time, I do also think that Jake Fromm should have the chance to learn, to grow, to redeem himself, to become better. And I just hope that he's given that opportunity. And again, it's not just a Jake Fromm thing. This goes for anyone out there. When you mess up, when you go out of bounds, you have to pay the price. There has to be consequences for it. Otherwise, people just do it and do it and do it and do it. But I also think there has to be room for growth somewhere. And we have to be open to the possibility that they can learn and be something more than what their past comments or actions would suggest that they were. I don't know. I, I know that I am. What I do know is I'm extraordinarily disappointed in Jake Fromm. I am angry at Jake Fromm. I'm angry at the situation. It's it's. I'm saddened by it, by the fact that someone who people respected, that people of color respected, came out and... and you know, even if it wasn't public, behind closed doors. And I mean, honestly, 
it, saying things behind closed doors like that is more insidious than coming out and being openly racist in my mind. It's when you do it behind closed doors like that, that's the stuff that's really tough to root out. So yeah, angry, sad, disappointed, any of those negative adjectives you want to throw out there, that that's how I felt. I felt helpless. Like, God, if, if Jake Fromm is saying these kind of things, like what, how, how do you go about fixing that? It's so deeply entrenched in our society. How do you go about fixing it? And I know, I, I know I can't do it alone. I can do my small part, and I try to do that. But I try to listen. Uh, I'm trying to do better myself. And uh, I, I just happen – I don't know. I just think that if we're going to really truly change things, it has to start in people's hearts. And I, I think for that to happen, you've got to give them a chance to, to listen and learn and grow. And I just hope to God that Jake does that because he needs to. There's no doubt about it. But all right, let's move on and talk some baseball here. Our baseball team's been in the news with the Major League Baseball draft underway, and it was it was a big day for Georgia Athletics in general yesterday as we took a, a big second step towards being only the second program along with Oklahoma a few years back, at least as far as I was able to find out, to have a top 10 draft pick in the NFL, Major League Baseball, and NBA drafts. Oklahoma did it. It was a couple years ago with Baker Mayfield in the NFL draft, Trey Young, obviously, to the to the Atlanta Hawks here and the NBA draft and Kyler Murray to the Oakland A's I believe it was with a ninth overall pick obviously he ultimately ended up coming back to college and playing another year but those three guys from Oklahoma in the same year in the NFL Major League Baseball and NBA drafts went in the top 10 and now we have hit two of the three legs with tackle Andrew Thomas going number four overall to the Giants in the NFL draft and now pitcher Emerson Hancock going number six overall to the Seattle Mariners in the Major League Baseball draft. And then later this summer, Anthony Edwards is going to wrap up the trifecta almost assuredly with a top 10 selection in in the NBA draft, might even go number one. He's certainly in that conversation. So pretty cool news for our overall athletic program. And it was really exciting to see Emerson Hancock get a chance to go as high as he did. He got a signing bonus, a little bit over $5 million, I think is what I saw. So a huge day for him, his family, and and also obviously Georgia baseball as well. Now Emerson had a little bit of a slower start to this truncated 2020 season, but he was just starting to hit his stride again as we were set to enter SEC play. It was actually against Florida, opening weekend at Florida, right before the shutdown. I think it was like, it shut down, what, Thursday was when they started to shut down leagues all across the country, and Friday we were slated to play at Florida, but obviously that never ended up happening. But Emerson is a big six foot four, two hundred fifteen pound right-handed pitcher that has really developed into a four-pitch guy. His fastball hits the mid nineties routinely, and at times can jump up into the upper nineties. Really, not all that infrequently, he can get up there. And I mean, Emerson has come a long way since he got here to Georgia. As a freshman, his ERA was over five. And he had maybe two pitches. He had a good solid fastball. He's always had that. And he had kind of a curveball as a freshman, but not a great one. But he grew a lot under the tutelage of, of pitching coach Sean Kenny, who's coach Scott Strickland brought in. I think he's been a, a big asset for our program, for our baseball program. And Emerson became a bona fide ace as a sophomore in 2019. He ended up that season when it was all said and done with an ERA under two right at 1.99. And he was he was flat out a dominant Friday starter for us. And he was a big reason why we were as good as we were and made that jump to host a regional. And God, we should have gotten out of that regional. But he was a big part of that. And he was really beginning to rack up the strikeouts too. 
He had 34 strikeouts and 24 innings pitched in 2020 after having uh, not, I don't want to say only 97 strikeouts over 90 innings pitched, but certainly he was on pace to blow that out of the water this year. And I think a big part of that was that he's really started to be able to command all four of those pitches. So a huge congratulations to Emerson, and I will certainly be rooting hard for him in the majors, and he's an easy guy to root for. Just uh, seems to be a guy with a great personality, and I think he's going to have a big career for the Mariners or whoever he ends up with. You know how things go with baseball. Prospects get traded here and there all all the time, but I think he's going to have a big career in the majors, and I can't wait to see that end up happening. Um, It's really a shame, honestly, that the season was cut short because with him and Cole Wilcox at the top of the rotation in 2020, we had a chance. I'm talking a legitimate chance to make a run to the College World Series. Certainly, you can't say it was a done deal. We hadn't even gotten an SEC play, but I think the pieces were there, especially when it comes to the arms. The bats were certainly more of a concern. I don't know if we had up and down the lineup of a bunch of thumpers, but we had. I think we had enough. And some of the guys that we were counting on kind of started off the season slow. I think they would have come around a little bit more. Guys like Riley King, for instance. So the bats were a little bit more of a concern, but I think we were hitting well enough to where if you get into a regional and a super regional with those two starters, Cole Wilcox and Emerson Hancock at the top of your rotation, we were going to be in very good shape. And our bullpen was also it was a concern of mine coming into 2020, but they were pitching really well with guys like Ryan Webb and Justin Glover kind of leading the way back there in the pen. So it's a shame, man. I thought we had a chance to really do something special in 2020. I would have loved to actually have gone to Omaha. I've never had a chance to do that, to go to the College World Series. I've always heard it's fantastic. It's a great experience. And I'm not a, honestly, I'm not a huge Major League Baseball guy. And baseball is down the list for me. It's probably fourth for me on my list of sports. Obviously, I go football one, then basketball, then tennis, and then baseball coming in number four for me. But I grew up playing baseball, travel ball, all that kind of stuff. And baseball to me is like one of those sports that's a lot more fun to play than watch. But I actually really do enjoy college baseball, not so much professional baseball. But college baseball, I've really gotten into over the years. And it would have been a lot of fun to go up there to Omaha and kind of see us in that setting. I did not get to go in, in 2000, I want to say 2008 when we went there last with Gordon Beckham and company. And uh, obviously fell just a game short against Fresno State. Should have had that, man. Should have had that one. But uh, whatever. That's just the, the lot of life for us here as Georgia Bulldog fans. We just barely fall short of national championships. We've had we've had more than our fair share in other sports. Don't get me wrong. We have. But, yeah, God, that's true. The 2017 Football National Championship falling just short there in, in overtime. And then last year, I know you guys don't care about this, but I do. My wife and I traveled to Orlando to watch the women's tennis team compete for national title in the Elite Eight. They made it all the way to the championship match and fell just short to Stanford, who is kind of like the Alabama of women's college tennis. So I, I've seen in person over the last, what, two, three years, two national championships fall just short. And uh, I guess that happened in 2008 with college baseball as well when we lost to Fresno State. But whatever. Hopefully we'll we'll get back on track there. But all is not necessarily lost because... Speaking of big Cole Wilcox, who I mentioned just a few minutes ago, the big six foot five, two hundred thirty-two pound right-hand pitcher, he surprisingly did not get taken in the first round. And I say surprisingly because coming out of high school, he was a guy that we weren't sure we were actually gonna get. Like we thought he might go pro out of high school. We were really glad that he came to college in the first place. So he's been a big, big-time prospect for a while now. So the expectation was that he was going to go in the top 20 or so in, in the first round, and he'd be gone along with Emerson Hancock, and we'd be back to zero with our starting rotation. 
So it was on, on certainly on, on that level surprising that he did not get taken at all in the first round. But honestly, I'm not altogether surprised because he only had four starts this year and he was not great or was not consistently great as a true freshman. So it didn't necessarily blow my mind that he did not get taken. And, and while I hate it for the guy, I really do. I hate it for the guy, but this might actually work out in our program's favor. I, I do hate that it comes at his expense, but there is now a very good chance that Wilcox comes back for the 2021 season because he was only a sophomore, which is really rare. Uh, typically with baseball rules, you know, the way it works is you can go pro if you get drafted out of high school. You can you can skip college, but if you decide to come to college, you have to stay for three years and then you can go and get drafted after that. That's typically the way it works with baseball rules. That's, that's, that is the rule. That's how it works. But there's kind of a loophole there. There's also an age requirement. So Wilcox was actually old enough to where he could enter the Major League Baseball draft after his sophomore season. He did not have to wait the three years like most players do. And, and this is important. Uh, it's important that he was only a rise, that he's only going to be a rising junior potentially in 2021 because that means he will still have leverage after this season. He could tell a team, if it, let's say if he gets drafted, uh, again, he drops for some reason, God forbid, drops the second round after the 2021 season. He could tell them, hey, if you don't hit my number, or, or even if he gets drafted in the first round and he's in contract negotiations and wants to what's a certain number that he has his mindset on and the team is kind of hedging their hedging and not really wanting to hit that number, then he has a little bit of leverage. He can say, all right, well, if you don't hit my number, then I'll just come back to college for another year. He could potentially do that. So he has the leverage to come back one more year. But like Hancock, Cole made a big jump in year two. He put up a a 407 ERA as a freshman, and uh, he walked a whopping 38 batters in 59 innings pitched as a freshman. But he made a big jump this year, man. He posted a 1.57 ERA over four starts as a sophomore and only walked two batters over a 23 innings pitch. That's a huge improvement. You can really see just watching him pitch, his command was so much better. Um, and that, that was the big issue as a freshman. Like I think that was his biggest issue. He was just all over the place. The, the command was just not there consistently at all. But that did show signs of changing this year. And he's a guy that I think was really hurt by this shortened season because he only got to show four starts worth of his new and improved self. This guy that now has way more control over more pitches than he did as a freshman. And none of those four starts were against SEC competition. So I think what we saw here, uh, if I had to, like, if I had to kind of come up with a reason for why he got skipped over and did not get drafted in the first round, I think there's a good chance teams are still basing a lot of their scouting of Cole Wilcox off of that freshman season because the dude has the goods. If you've watched the guy pitch, especially in person, I mean, he's got a live fastball. That fastball sits in the high 90s easily. He's got a good changeup to keep guys off balance. And the pitch that he really developed more so this year and developed greater command over was a, a pretty nasty slider that he was punching guys out with. I mean, he had 32 strikeouts and 23 innings pitched this year over those four starts. But at this point, Again, I hate it for him, but it's kind of good for us. I fully expect him to be back in the red and black in 2021. Even if he gets drafted in the top 10 of the second round, and the second round has not started yet as I'm recording this show, so things might change by the time you hear this, and there might be some more information. But as of right now, 
He has not been drafted in the second round yet. And like even if he does get drafted in the top 10 in the second round, the monetary difference is just, in my opinion, too big to pass up. And it's not my decision to make, but if I was making the decision, I think that might be too big to pass up. Like it, it, He would have to bet on himself that if he comes back and puts up a full season as our ace in 2021, that he will jump into the top 10 in the first round next year. That, that You have to bet on yourself. You have to have some confidence. But most of these guys do. Uh, and I'm betting on him to do just that. Because the signing bonus for top 10 picks is slotted between $4.7 and $8.4 million. While top 10 picks in the second round, you are slotted with a signing bonus of between $1.5 and $2 million. So that's, to me, a big enough difference to come back to Georgia for one more go-around and because you have that leverage, you'd only be a junior, and it would be huge. I cannot overstate just how big that would be for our team in 2021. I mean, he would be a frontline ace. There's no doubt about it if he was able to come back. You put him at the top of the rotation with a bunch of really promising young arms, guys like Will Childers, Jonathan Cannon, Michael Polk, who all look good as freshmen. And then we still have C.J. Smith likely returning after serving as our number three starter this year and also in 2019 as well before the injury. And depending on what happens with the rest of the draft, we might even get Ryan Webb back, which would be another big boost to the 2021 team. Webb was our best reliever this past year. It was actually lights out. Like he was, and He's been good at times throughout his career, but this year he was lights out in five appearances out of the pen. Uh, he left-handed pitcher, he had 15 innings pitched, struck out 26 batters, only gave up two earned runs over those 15 innings. And he actually also has some starting experience. So if he did come back, I would not be shocked at all to see him contend for a starting role in 2021. I think he would certainly be one of those guys that would be in strong contention for a starting role. And the reason I think he might come back is that the Major League Baseball draft with the, with the pandemic and obviously with the financial straits that Major League Baseball is dealing with right now, I mean, what's going on between the players and owners? It's just ridiculous. They need to figure something out. I don't really care that much. I don't really watch Major League Baseball, but it's just, I know people do, and it's just stupid right now. we got millionaires and billionaires arguing over millions and billions of dollars. It's it's just tone deaf right now. And you see all the millions of people out the country, 40 million plus people have lost their job. Uh, just a bad look. Anyway, so with all that going on, Major League Baseball has limited their draft to five rounds this year. I mean, that's a significant decrease in the number of players that are going to be drafted. I think it's normally like in the 40-ish rounds uh, with the Major League Baseball draft every year. You can still sign as an undrafted free agent, but you only get a $20,000 signing bonus if you do that. So again, if you're asking me, if you go undrafted this year, it really behooves you to come back and try again next year. So I will certainly be watching that one close to the rest of the way to see what happens with Ryan Webb if he gets drafted or not. And if he does not get drafted, I feel pretty strongly that he'll come back. I mean, you never know. You don't know what's going on in people's lives. But I think there's a really good chance that he would come back and think there would be a huge boost for our program. Now, another guy that I would also love to get back is redshirt junior Tucker Bradley, who was murdering the ball. And I mean murdering the ball, like actually hitting the cover off the ball before this season ended. He missed... Pretty much the entire 2019 season, he got hurt in the opening series of the season. It was out the rest of the way. I think it was a shoulder injury, if I remember correctly. But he came back with a vengeance in 2020. He was hitting 397 with six home runs and more than one moonshot in that total. And if he does not get drafted, I think he's a guy that might also come back. Now, I'm not as confident in him because he is a redshirt junior. He's been here for four years. He'd basically come back for his fifth year. 
But I think there would be a huge boost for him to come back to go along with guys like Chaney Rogers, some of our younger best. Chaney Rogers, the Tate Twins, Garrett Blaylock, the uh, transfer from Vanderbilt or formerly at Vanderbilt. Uh, ben Anderson's a guy that came over from Furman, was doing some good things for us this year as well at the top of the lineup. And there's also a couple of good bats in this year's recruiting class. So if we could get Bradley back to go along with all those guys, man, I would feel even better about the possibilities of what we could do in the 2021 season. So yeah, I, I think we have a chance to actually be pretty good next year if we get all or most of those guys back, obviously, especially Cole Wilcox at the top there. And I wasn't so sure, honestly, uh, with Wilcox and Hancock likely going pro, how good we had a chance to be in 2021. But I think my outlook for the baseball team in 2021 has now changed And I'm actually excited about what this team can potentially do heading into next season. But there are a few other notes in the world of college baseball that I want to touch on here today. I don't know if you guys actually got a chance to see this, but earlier this week, the NCAA announced a one-year suspension of the 35-man roster limit to account for seniors who want to return for an additional season. You know, a couple, I guess, months ago and now at this point, they came out and said for all spring sports that players, if it was if they were in their final season, could come back for an additional season if they indeed wanted to do that. So our players will have the opportunity to come back if that's something that interests them. At least the seniors will. And I think we have a few guys who might actually do that. Uh, a guy I mentioned earlier in the show, outfielder Riley King, who was a really good bat for us in 2019, but kind of scuffled out of the gate this year. He's a guy who really might take advantage of this of this new, I don't know if it's a rule, but this new policy. And I honestly hope he does. Reliever Justin Glover is another guy you might see it, might see do it as well, who was a really valuable piece in our bullpen last year. We still have to see how that plays out, but the door is certainly open for those guys to return, which would be another potential boost for the 2021 baseball team. And finally, we got some transfer news that had been rumored but was actually made official today, earlier on Thursday afternoon. Right-hander pitcher Nolan Crisp, originally from Locust Grove here in the state of Georgia. He's transferring from Florida, of all of places, believe it or not. Uh, a big part of this was his younger brother. He's a part of our 2021 recruiting class, and apparently Crisp just wants to play closer to home. He spent two seasons at Florida. He actually skipped his senior season of high school to enroll early, so he, he didn't play his senior year of high school, went ahead and enrolled early, and uh, when he was a freshman at Florida, that's when he should have been playing his senior year of high school baseball. And he was pretty successful right away. He won their closer job, had eight saves, which set a Florida freshman record. He also had six starts. It was actually better as a starter, believe it or not. He's a smaller dude at 5'9", but had a really good reputation coming out of high school and is an absolutely welcome addition to the team for 2021. I'm not sure if he's going to get his eligibility this year. We'll see how that plays out. But I certainly wouldn't count it out with how lenient the NCAA has become over the past year or so. We will see, but regardless, a really good pickup for Scott Strickland and company, and uh, something to be looking forward to as we head into the 2021 season. So that's all I have for you guys today. I just want to touch on some baseball stuff. I want to make sure to hit that Jake Fromm topic, but also let you guys know what's going on on the baseball front. Got some exciting stuff going on on the diamond. But uh, Curtis will be back with me on Monday, and we will be back to our regularly scheduled football programming. We will be talking SEC East win totals, which is always one of my favorite things to do each and every summer. It's one of our summer traditions here on the Glory UGA podcast. And who knows? 
Charlie may make an appearance here sometime over the next couple of shows as well. So a lot of great football content coming your way in the next couple of months leading up to the 2020 season. I appreciate you guys. I really do indulging my baseball talk today. want to throw the Diamond Dogs some love. I think we actually have a chance to be pretty good again next year, but we'll just have to see how things shake out. But I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. And as always, go dogs.